Now in the programme, part five of chapter one of A Little Princess. She is actually waiting there for us, she said. Let us go in to her. Dear me, said Captain Crewe, I feel as if we ought to have someone to introduce us. You must introduce me, and I will introduce you, said Sarah. But I knew her the minute I saw her, so perhaps she knew me too. Perhaps she had known her. She had certainly a very intelligent expression in her eyes when Sarah took her in her arms. She was a large doll, but not too large to carry out easily. She had naturally curling golden-brown hair, which hung like a mantle about her, and her eyes were a deep, clear grey-blue, with soft, thick eyelashes, which were real eyelashes and not mere painted lines. "'Of course,' said Sarah, looking into her face as she held her on her knee. "'Of course, Papa, this is Emily.' So Emily was bought and actually taken to a children's outfitter's shop, and measured for a wardrobe as grand as Sarah's own. She had lace frocks too, and velvet and muslin ones, and hats and coats and beautiful lace-trimmed underclothes, and gloves and handkerchiefs and furs. I should like her always to look as if she was a child with a good mother, said Sarah. I'm her mother, though I am going to make a companion of her. Captain Crewe would really have enjoyed these shopping tremendously, but that a sad thought kept tugging at his heart. This all meant that he was going to be separated from his beloved, quaint little comrade. He got out of his bed in the middle of that night, and went and stood, looking down at Sarah, who lay asleep with Emily in her arms. Her black hair was spread out on the pillow, and Emily's golden-brown hair mingled with it. Both of them had lace-ruffled nightgowns, and both had long eyelashes, which lay and curled upon their cheeks. Emily looked so like a real child, the captain crew felt glad that she was there. He drew a big sigh, and pulled his moustache with a boyish expression. "'Hey-ho, little Sarah,' he said to himself. I don't believe you know how much your daddy will miss you. The next day he took her to Miss Minchin's and left her there. He was to sail away the next morning. He explained to Miss Minchin that his solicitors, Messrs. Burrow and Skibworth, had charge of his affairs in England and would give her any advice she wanted, and that they would pay the bills she sent in for Sarah's expenses. He would write to Sarah twice a week, and she was to be given every pleasure she asked for. She is a sensible little thing, and she never wants anything. It isn't safe to give her, he said. Then he went with Sarah into her little sitting room, and they bade each other goodbye. Sarah sat on his knee and held the lapels of his coat in her small hands, and looked long and hard at his face. "'Are you learning me by heart, little Sarah?' he said, stroking her hair. "'No,' she answered. "'I know you by heart. You are inside my heart.' And they put their arms round each other, and kissed as if they would never let each other go. When the cab drove away from the door, Sarah was sitting on the floor of her sitting-room, with her hands under her chin and her eyes following it 
until it had turned the corner of the square. Emily was sitting by her, and she looked after it too. When Miss Minchin sent her sister, Miss Amelia, to see what the child was doing, she found she could not open the door. "'I have locked it,' said a queer, polite little voice from inside. "'I want to be quite by myself, if you please.' Miss Amelia was fat and dumpy, and stood very much in awe of her sister. She was really the better-natured person of the two, but she never disobeyed Miss Minchin. She went downstairs again, looking almost alarmed. "'I never saw such a funny old-fashioned child, sister,' she said. "'She's locked herself in, and she's not making the least particle of noise. "'It is much better than if she kicked and screamed, as some of them do.' Miss Minchin answered. I expected that a child as much spoiled as she is would set the whole house in an uproar. If ever a child was given her own way in everything, she is. I've been opening her trunks and putting her things away, said Miss Amelia. I never saw anything like them. Sable and ermine on her coats. All kinds of lace on her underclothing. You have seen some of her clothes. What do you think of them? I think they are perfectly ridiculous, replied Miss Minchin sharply, but they will look very well at the head of the line when we take the school children to church on Sunday. She's been provided for as if she were a little princess. And upstairs, in the locked room, Sarah and Emily sat on the floor and stared at the corner round which the cab had disappeared, while Captain Crewe looked backward waving and kissing his hand as if he could not bear to stop. That's the end of chapter one. Tomorrow we begin chapter two of A Little Princess, A French Lesson. This is The English Programme. Thanks for listening.